on more than one occasion in my life, I or we have owned a puppy. Anybody ever bought or owned a puppy? I'm a self-proclaimed dog lover. Always have been. I just absolutely love dogs. Puppies are the cutest thing on planet Earth. And uh, one of these particular times when we owned a puppy, I got home from work and I walked into the room in which we had kept the puppy and it was absolutely destroyed. Everything was chewed up, torn, ripped up, and forgive the vernacular, but there was dog poop everywhere. A tornado. And as soon as I saw this, I said, hey, what's going on? How many of you know that puppies like to chew and tear and rip? And again, forgive me again, poop. So that when while you're away and you're anticipating that they are being a nice little puppy, they are fulfilling their human, I mean their dog nature. I wonder if sometimes God doesn't show up on the scene in our lives in America or globally and go, hey, what's going on? That's what I've entitled my message today very creatively. Hey, what's going on? Part three. (laughs) Doing a five week series on the last days or the end days and. I'm sure any of you that are knowledgeable or skilled or study that this could probably be a six month uh, or more study. And I'm not saying this is the last time we'll do it. I'm just kind of trying to tiptoe into this. And I wouldn't be surprised that late in the summer or early in the fall, we might take another five or six weeks to look at uh, these things in a little more depth. But so today we're going to go over, hey. What's going on, part three? Would you pray with me? Father, we're, we're grateful for life. We're grateful for our lives. We're grateful for the human journey with all the ups and downs and twists and turns. God, we're grateful we're here now in this unique time of human history. And we thank you that you don't want to leave us in the dark. You don't want us to put our head in the sand spiritually. You don't want us to be unaware what's really transpiring on planet Earth today. And so I pray that you'll give me the grace to share what I believe you put on my heart. This is not my specialty. This is not my wheelhouse. This is really outside of my comfort zone. But I believe that I believe with all of my heart you're wanting us to take a look at such an important subject for these five weeks. So I pray for all of our hearts, all of our minds, that we'd be spiritually in tune and spiritually awake. We'd learn, we'd grow, we'd be prepared. And so we thank you for this time together in the wonderful and most precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever looked out over the world And what's going on in America and thought, what's going on? What's going on? I mentioned last week that it's a consistent and almost a prevalent reality for me when I'm reading the newspaper or 
watching uh, the, the news or scanning the Internet and seeing things that deeply trouble me. Again, I could accept what my kids have said that I'm getting older. There's a generation gap. Maybe I'm too traditional. But from my belief system, my convictions, and my worldview, I'm very troubled at a lot that I'm see, seeing going on in America and around the world. So is there an answer to what's going on? I believe from a biblical perspective, we're living in the last days. For those that have maybe committed a part or a lot of their life to biblical study and understanding, especially in the area of prophecy or eschatology, the study of end times, the dozen or more that I've looked into or read, every one of them believes and is convinced that we're in the last days. Whether that's true or not, again, we don't try to proclaim days here because it says a, a thousand years is as a day and a day is as a thousand years. But at the same time, it's very evident, I think, from biblical realities and human events that we're living in the last days. The sign of the times reveal that we're in the fourth quarter of the human journey. For many of you who have been around church or Christianity, you've heard about the second coming of Christ. And sometimes there's a misunderstanding because there's another activity that some believe in. It's called a rapture. And some believe, some don't believe that uh, before Jesus comes and literally returns the earth and sets up his thousand year reign, that there will be a rapture of, uh, of certain true believers and a lot of the church. Can somebody get me a glass of water? I can just feel this tickle going on. Richard, could oh. Cody's going to do that. <coughs> Thank you. So, is Jesus about to return? Is the rapture about to transpire? Things for you and I to consider. If we're really living in the last days, what should we as Christians be aware of? How do we prepare and what should we be doing? I believe we cannot be ignorant. I believe we can't be unaware. I believe we can't be asleep at such an important time in human history. And so that's why I believe the Lord's put it on my heart for five weeks here. This is message three of five in which we're just starting to dabble into the last days or the end days. I asked this question last week and I'm going to ask it of you again today. If somebody were to come up to you and maybe in your workplace or wherever you're at, you're in conversation, out to dinner or at a movie and said, are we living in the last days? What would you say? Do you feel you're armed with enough information? Do you feel like you're equipped enough to give them some kind of a form of answer? Or like I said last week, will you simply say, well, here's my preacher's card. Will you call him? Because you know what? I'm not going to answer that phone call. Just kidding. Because we're all supposed to be knowledgeable. We're all supposed to be equipped. We all should have some answer to those people when they ask. 
And so I hope you'll be keeping your bulletins or looking at your bulletins or go ahead and sign up for a CD so that you can kind of get in this. It won't be extremely deep, but at least you'll be armed with something to be able to say to them, I believe we're living in the last days, and you'll be able to give them some kind of concrete answer. Rather than the church, sometimes we're just saying we're ignorant, call the preacher. And I think we need to be equipped. So today's focus is out of uh, Matthew 24, like we shared last week. We're going to continue at another verse on, and then one out of Isaiah. So if you'd be so kind to uh, turn to Matthew 24, uh, we'll look at those. Can we give it up for Cody? Thank you, eternal brother. He he says that, but this brother, I'll tell you, has been such a blessing to me over the last couple years. He's always calling me. He's always texting me. He's always saying, how do I honor you? How do I serve you? I'm extremely humbled. What, what a servant. Uh, I know he wants no recognition. Servants don't want any recognition. But the Bible says, give honor to whom honors do. And when I asked for a glass of water, you popped up. Man, I, I'm grateful. Thank you. I love you much, bud. Matthew chapter 24. Let's look at verses 3 through 14, first of all. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to Jesus privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. That's still scary. Deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. And these are only the beginning of the sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and, they be, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Again, I mentioned to you last week, that's not just non-Christians. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. We went over that last week. So if you weren't here, I'd really encourage you to, to write your name down at the connection table to get a CD so as you're driving around or you've got some time, you can hear what I had to say on that particular subject. Now, uh, skip over to same chapter, verse 32 and 30 through 35. Let's add on to that. Now learn the parable. He's saying this to his disciples. So if you're a disciple, I just encourage you to, uh, to listen up. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know the summer is near. So you also know when you see all these things, know that it is near. It's even at the door. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And then if you can jump back to Isaiah, hopefully you have Bible tabs. I've got this little thing that's called a cheat sheet. So if you think, well, he knows where every book is in the Bible and every... No, I use this, okay? 
I love it when preachers act like they know exactly. I know the whole Bible. I cheat. Okay, I, no, I'm not a cheater. Anyway, this this really is is underscores what's going on today, and I'm going to share more about it in the next couple of weeks. But I wanted to plan it today. Isaiah says something regard to humanity, but especially in the last days. Isaiah chapter five, verse twenty. He says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's that spirit of deception that's found back in Matthew chapter 24. So today I'd like to talk to you about five points that we can ponder in regard to the end of days, and uh, some of this will be old hats, some of it you'll just tiptoe, and some of you will get interested and excited and use this as an outline, and, and man, maybe even go on the internet and research and learn more yourself. Number one, in the last days, this is a cosmic and global spiritual battle. So watch world events. This is a cosmic, and it's a spiritual battle. So watch world events. I think it's pretty normal and easy for all of us, it is for me, to kind of look at all that's going on around the globe, and even here in America and American culture, and simply see that's just humanity living out humanity. But my friends, according to the Bible and spiritual realities, it's much, much more than just humanity living out life. What's transpiring right now globally and here in America is revealing a cosmic battle, a cosmic clash between good and evil, right and wrong, light and darkness, truth and falsehood, God and Satan. According to many biblical prophecies, it encourages us to be informed, aware, and awake, and watch what's going on globally, watch what's going on in America, and look at all of these uh, uh, events because they're indicating the fast approach of the last days of the end days. I think it's so very interesting that we live in the day and age of such technology through media and the Internet that we can see what's going on globally. What went on in Egypt and Syria and Iran and Iraq and other parts of the world years ago, we would have no understanding of that. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I believe there's a good and a negative side of the expansion of technology and the Internet and, and media. But I think it's interesting. First of all, it says the gospel will be preached to the whole nation. Never before can the gospel be kind of seen throughout the world. A lot of times it's not just through missionaries. It's because of the advancement of technology and media and the Internet. But also, I think it's God saying, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to know what's going on in the global stage. I want you to know what's going on in the national stage. Because many of those events are to wake us up and to alert us so that we are aware of that we're living in the last days, in the end days. 
My friends, these are not just human events that are going on. There is a great increase of a cosmic battle, spiritual battle that's taking place on planet Earth today. Number two, Isaac versus Ishmael continues. And some of you are looking at me like, are those your kids? (laughs) Isaac and Ishmael, who in the world are you talking about? Isaac and Ishmael, there is a spiritual sibling rivalry that started thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago that is going on today. Isaac represents Judaism and the, if you will, the branch or the offshoot of Judaism, which is called Christianity. There's also another religion that stemmed from Ishmael, which is called Islam. Now, how many of you have ever heard of Abraham and Sarah in the Bible? If you haven't, go back to Genesis, but go back to Genesis 16, 17, 18. You can read about that. Abraham is called the father of all nations, of all nations of faith. Abraham and Sarah are the parents of three world religions. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And Ishmael was the first child of Abraham. Now, some of you are saying, God, I just don't need a big history lesson. Please don't don't disengage. This is so vitally important for you to understand, if you're going to understand the end days. Ishmael was the first child of Abraham. Abraham and Sarah loved each other. They got married. They were husband and wife. And for whatever reason, Sarah was barren. And she wanted Abraham to have a son. So she encouraged Abraham to take a concubine, an Egyptian woman by the name of Hagar, and to go into her, and they had relationships, and she became pregnant. And the child that came from that relationship was a young man named Ishmael. Now, if you study Old Testament and even the revelation of that in the New Testament, that's not what God wanted. It really represents human nature trying to manufacture what only God should manufacture. It's called the flesh. It's called our carnal nature. It's in the New Testament, it's called the old man. When, when you can't wait or don't wait for God to fulfill His promise to you, and you get involved and you make it happen in your carnal flesh, in your own nature, it usually doesn't turn out that well. well. And so the first child of Abraham, not with Sarah, but with the Egyptian concubine, Hagar, was a young man named Ishmael. Keep that on the side there. Then, by the grace of God, he came and he opened the womb of Sarah and Adam. I mean, Abraham and Sarah had their first child together, which was a young man by the name of Isaac. He was a child of the promise. God promised that he would bring them a child. And it really represents Old Testament, New Testament, God's covenant. The fulfillment of God's promise of the Spirit. The difference between the flesh, 
and the Spirit. Man's working and God's working. And if you study uh, biblical history and even world events, there's always been a sibling rivalry between Ishmael and Isaac. And so to bring it to home, because we don't have too much time to keep going into that, is Isaac represents Judaism and Christianity, and Ishmael represents Islam. And there is a battle. There's a civil rivalry. They don't like each other. There's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. What's man-made and what God fulfilled in a promise. A holy war is increasing. It's fast-forwarding. And it's leading us into the last days, the end days. And what it really is is a spiritual issue between Isaac and Ishmael and the religions that came from that. The third point I'd like you to ponder with me is, is the Christian Antichrist the same as the Islamic Mahdi? Some of you are going, whoa, whoa, whoa. So I'm just telling you to put on your seatbelt and we'll get going. Is the Christian Antichrist the same as the Islamic Mahdi? How many of you have ever heard of the Antichrist? If you've been anywhere around Christianity, anywhere around the church, any, uh, have any knowledge of historic Christendom, the Bible says in the end days there will be a man that will arise and he will be Antichrist. And so he'll be called the Antichrist. He will arise in the end days. Did you know that in the Islamic religion, they believe a ruler will also arise in the last days? He will be the reincarnation of Muhammad, and his name is Mahdi, or the guided one. And his work, this Mahdi in the Islamic world, his work is to stir within the Muslim world a caliphate. You say, what's a caliphate? It's a, uh, it's a rule of government, politically, socially, economically, that will be guided by what's called Sharia law. And some of you are going, oh, why do I need any to hear about any of this? Is because it's knocking on our door. It's coming into our political system. It's coming into our economic system. It's coming into our spiritual system. And if we have no idea of who the Mahdi is, if we have no understanding of the caliphate, we don't have any understanding of Sharia law, we're not really being prepared in my particular opinion. For a Muslim... Now, don't get me wrong. I know that within the branch of Christianity, we've got all flavors, don't we, sometimes? Same is true in the Muslim religion. But if you really take a look and read a little bit in the Quran and understand the worldview and the mindset of the Islamic religion, is Allah has commanded His followers, any Muslim, to... Be a part of ridding the world of all infidels, of all unbelievers. So the lineage of Ishmael 
which is the Islamic religion, which are the Muslim people, if you understand their religion, their worldview, their mandate from Allah is to destroy Jews and Judaism and destroy Christians and Christianity. That's that cosmic battle that's going on. And as they are to be fulfilling their responsibility to Allah, it's called jihad. It's a movement. It's an aggression. It's a, it's a, a pathway to fulfilling the call of Allah. Has anybody heard of jihad? See, we're starting to hear it, aren't we? And jihad is simply a holy war. And did you know that in the Islamic religion, when you're beginning to fulfill the will of Allah to rid the world of all infidels and establish this caliphate and usher in Sharia law, if you die as a martyr, you immediately go to paradise. Do you understand why we in the West are having such a hard time with this? Is we're trying to apply Western worldview, a lack of Islamic understanding and religion, and we cannot figure out for the, war, for the life of us why a jihadist, why ISIL or uh, 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 ISIS is trying to infiltrate Europe, Canada, and America and create jihad and killing people. We can't think that way. That's not the basis or the core belief of Christianity or Judaism. And so we are absolutely baffled when we say, how can they be doing that? How could that happen? Is that really coming to our shores? Will it really happen in the future? You've got to understand the religious mindset of the Islamic faith and the Eastern worldview. Then it makes complete sense, doesn't it? If I am a Muslim and I have been commanded by Allah to uh, rid the world of all infidels, unbelievers, Jews and Christians, and I'm to help support the caliphate, usher in Sharia law, and while I'm involved in holy war and, and the jihad, if I can kill all those people but kill myself at the same time, I immediately go to paradise. It shouldn't surprise any of us that it's going on or that most likely it's going to continue to increase. We can't use our Western mentality, our Western worldview to understand these people. We need to understand how they think. And here's the interesting thing. If you were to write down all the characteristics biblically in our Bible of all of the characteristics of the coming Antichrist over here, and then over here you were going to write down all the characteristics of the coming Mahdi, that they're trying to usher in, it almost looks identical. So where the, the, the Christian over here, well, the Jew is still waiting for Messiah. Okay, we believe if Messiah has come and that's Jesus. We're waiting for Jesus to come. The Islamic world over here 
believes they can usher in the return of Mahdi quicker by expanding the caliphate. They're the same people. Is that not interesting to you? That they're, in our Western Christian belief, they are trying to advance the coming of the Antichrist by trying to usher in the coming of the Mahdi. So, is the Christian Antichrist and the Islamic Mahdi the same person? We're all looking for that coming ruler because it's a spiritual issue. All the global events are simply pointing to the fast approach of the last days. I thought I'd share this. Isn't it interesting that Christianity says that God so loved mankind that God died for man, where in the Islamic religion, man has to die for God. Interesting, isn't that? Number four, spiritual Islam is on the move. Spiritual Islam is on the move. Many of my following statements are not to be mistaken, please. These are not political or religious statements. Listen to me, please. This focus that I'm talking about is not on a particular group or a particular person. It's much more than that. It's based on biblical prophecy and spiritual activity. All the realities of the ushering in of the last days and the end days is a spirit. It's not a group per se. It's not a person per se. It's a spirit, and it's the spirit of Ishmael. It's the spirit of Islam, and it's growing, and it's spreading, and it's increasing, and it's making huge strides across the world. It's not just happening in the Middle East, but globally. How many of you know there's a great increase of Islam in Europe, in Canada, in America. They're strategic. I read an article by some of their Islamic leaders here in America. And listen to me, and it sounds like it's a few days off or a few years off, but you know how fast time flies. By the year 2050, they believed they could have 50% of the American population. They're coming here having multiple kids so that they can continue to expand and grow. Now, you let me, if you think we have some fireworks going on today in the political arena and the election of a president, what if you have 50% of the population who is Muslim? They're targeting, they're very strategic. And again, It's on tape. Do not misunderstand me. I am not talking politically, and I'm not talking just about a group of people or any person. I'm talking about the spirit that's behind all of that, which is really, again, the battle between Ishmael and Isaac that started thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. It's on the increase, and it's not going to be stopped without our identification and our resistance and our awareness and great prayer by Christians all around this country. 
in churches all around this country. My friend, with love intended, if you think you can just sit back, ignore, put your head in the sand, and go about thinking you're going to fulfill the American dream and not worry about any of this, I'm sorry, I think in 10, 20, 30 years, you're going to go, why in the world? Hey, what's going on? Why did I not do something? I don't want to be fatalistic. This may be the very plan of sovereign God to usher in the end of days. Many of you know that. Why in all of the book is America not mentioned in the end of days? Again, I don't want to be simply opinionated, but have some conviction. You know, we've become so prideful in the West. We've become so arrogant. We've got so many, we've got so many things. And God has blessed us, and God has used us, and God will use us. But how many of you know that in the end of days, we're not even mentioned? So what's going to happen? I'm not going to give you some particular options. And some of you go, God, I don't even like this message. Just continue to let me you know, live the American dream. Is the American dream of 50 years ago the same American dream of today? Do you see it changing? Do you see the movement? Do you see the threats? We can't ignore anymore and be silent. We've got to get prepared. The last point is commit yourself to grow in your spiritual relationship with Jesus. Like many people, what can I do? I'm not an elected official. I can cast my vote. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, The first and foremost is you up your game with Jesus. You prioritize Jesus more. What do you do when you believe there's a coming emergency or an unexpected event in your life? Don't you first make yourself informed of what that threat is? I have two very close friends who live on the Gulf side of Florida. And you know what? When they hear a hurricane is coming, they first verify that that's happening. Okay, They hear all the reports and whatever, and guess what? When they recognize that a threat is heading their way, they don't go, oh, no big deal. Little old hurricane, I can ride it out, no big problem. You know Florida has been hammered i got a lot of good friends that uh, live in Oklahoma, and I have a son that lives in Dallas, Texas. How many of you have ever heard a thing called Tornado Alley? For whatever reason, that the weather patterns just right through that particular area. Man, when you, hear, when you see it, maybe even before you see it, you hear it on the news, that a tornado is coming, you're going to go, no big deal. I can handle that. No, you've got to get prepared. You've got to gain that information. Number two, you've got to think through what you need to make it through that particular event. How do you survive? Three, I hope, too, is that you don't just think about you and your, yourself, but you're thinking about your family. You're thinking about your friends. You're thinking about your neighbors. We live in America. We're so independent. I always think, how do I get through this? How does... How do we and my, my family get through it? How about if 
How do we think about how does our church get through that? How, how does, as a Christian, how do I help my neighborhood or my neighbors get ready for that? And then you've got to plan for beyond the particular event. Because let's say that hurricane comes in, you boarded it all up, winds, rains, whatever. You got the supplies you needed. You got supplies for your friends. But then after it's over, how do you get restarted again? These are some things I think we need to be thinking about in the last days, in the end times. I'm going to have uh, DJ and Renelda come forward. I wish I could give you a whole lot of other tools, but right now I just want to say that to you. I, I want to encourage you to commit to grow in your spiritual relationship with Jesus because I think he's the answer. And it does trouble me and it does scare me, not frightfully, but soberly, that when it talks about many will be deceived in the end days, that's not talking about just non-believers. It's talking about believers. You know, when all this thing comes down the pike, what if they come and say, Pastor Jeff, we just heard your message, and and you're coming against a religious group, and, uh, you know, you do that one more time, and, uh, you know, there's a place called jail, possession of property and separation from your family. It's easy to talk about it in here. They'll hear about this at some point. You know that, don't you? If we keep talking about it. Man, if I don't have Jesus, I'm going to be in big trouble. If I don't have the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and the Savior of my soul leading me, guiding me, that I haven't been investing in my relationship with Him in prayer. And if I don't have you, and you don't have me, and we don't have each other. I mentioned to you last week, for in the last days, I beg you, find be involved in a good Bible-believing church. Make sure you're involved and that that pastor has some awareness and is praying and, and trying to be alert to the end days and can guide you and, and lead you through that time. If they're oblivious or uninformed or they don't care, that's a dangerous situation. And then let's grow together. We've talked about this year. It's to grow and go tonight, our potluck, to be together, to share meals, to talk about our ministry together to ask questions, to be a family. We're going to need that. If these are the end days, the last days, we're going to need each other. We won't be able to live such an independent mentality and lifestyle. We're going to need each other. Jesus is our anchor. He's our lifeboat. He's our parachute. He's the storm shelter. He's the rock. He's our hiding place. Next week, I'm going to try to focus on a variety of things that are going on here in America. And I, again, I'm going to put it out on tape ahead of time. They're not going to be political statements or political issues, even though I know people will go, you're getting too political. I want to stay in the spiritual world. I want to stay in the spiritual realm. I want to try to see what's going on in the cosmic conflict. So even though I'm talking about certain things, I want us to take a look at what's going on in America. And so I want to invite you to come back. Bring your friends, bring your neighbors, bring your co-workers, bring people here. And let's begin to talk about it and, and have some strategy and be alert and be aware and be prepared. Because it's happening. And whether we like it or not. It's fast approaching in our nation. Let's pray.
Father, I just pray for the things that we shared today. Give us wisdom. Give us soberness. Help us to prepare. These are not negative days. Really, these shouldn't be disheartening days. This should not be discouraging news. This should mean that the other team fumbled and we got the ball on the five-yard line. And we're going to cross the goal line and we're going to score and we're going to win. And all heaven and earth are going to stand to their feet and cheer. And there's going to be great celebration. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand. Let's make a distinction. I love that that analogy of you know God dying for us rather than us dying for God because it's just pointless. We we died for God. Oh, great. No, no, no. God came down and died for us. The cool thing is, because he's God dying for us, we don't, it doesn't end there. Now, that created an avenue to where God can reign. So we sing hallelujah to the God, not who just simply died, the God who actually reigns.
I've really uh, enjoyed uh, being together with you today. Hopefully we've uh, enjoyed time. Love you. God bless you. Bye-bye.